Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Madeline, for reading. Just put this down here, but I've got to make sure I pick up the right one if I do have a drink. <laughs> Mouthful of bleach. No good for anyone. I've always said that. All right. Well, friends, um, uh, we had a we had a Easter sunrise service this morning, so I've been up since the well before the crack of dawn, actually. Um, so I'm just I know who you were this morning, and if you like start to nod off the next 15, 20 minutes or something, I might just mention your name. You never know, <laughs> a bit of motivation. The rest of you have no excuse. There you go. All right. Well, we're gonna um, we'll pray in a moment, but uh, this afternoon also we have our. Um, uh, service at St David's Burrowing. So you're very welcome to come and join us. Uh, it's a more traditional service and some people from, um, uh, from uh, Burrowing come and some people from here come as well. So St David's uh, at 4.30 this afternoon. Love to see you there. There's an outline in your bulletin you can have a look at too. And if you have a Bible, maybe you've got it on your phone, we're going to focus on that passage that, um, uh, that uh, Joe read to us uh, a little while, just a few seconds ago. So that sort of the second half of end of chapter 15 up into chapter 16. Okay, I think we're sorted. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the joy it is to come together and remember the truth, the historical fact of your resurrection and what it means for us. Help us to focus, help me to be clear, and we thank you again for your goodness to us in the Lord Jesus. Amen. So recently I buried a man. Actually, that doesn't sound good, doesn't it? No, no. So recently I did a burial and a funeral, that sounds a bit better, uh, of a man who, this, this guy restored tractors, um, it's pretty cool actually, I, I, I thought, I had thought I'd never met him, but when, um, when I got to talking to the family after the, uh, after the, or just before the service actually, he was, I found out that he was one of the guys at the Robertson Show, if you've been to the Robertson Show, uh, it's been cancelled for a few years sadly, but he was one of the guys on the Robertson Show who, who restores these old uh, tractors and then showed them off, they're fully restored, they're back to original condition, they're quite amazing. Um, each tractor of course had a, uh, had a story and talk about a labour of love, just amazing, there there is no such thing as half restoring one of these vehicles. Just incredible. Now, this particular craftsman loved his Massey Fergusons. Now, I know some of you, when I say that word, you go, oh, yeah, a Massey Ferguson. <laughs> Absolutely got me going. Um, but so this is what this guy did. He, he, he restored these old tractors. And this is a great example of one, but that's not the one that he restored. Some, of course, were over 50 years old. Incredible. And he made them purr. Uh, like new, everything restored back to factory settings, if you like. Perfect, not a scratch, uh, no stains, no rust, no imperfections, no, no blemishes. The old has gone and been replaced with the new. They were a sight uh, and sound to be seen and heard. Friends, I reckon that that's a good illustration of what we celebrate at Easter, what we think about at Easter. By Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be restored back to God, made new, completely forgiven. The old is gone and been replaced with the new, a right and perfect relationship with our Creator, with God, no longer stained by sin, made possible by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for all of our imperfections, for all of our stuff-ups, for our sin, which has been graphically um, uh, demonstrated to us today. 
Jesus takes our place. He bears the wrath of God for our sin. All we need to do is believe, Jesus says. But how can I know for sure? And how can I know for sure that his death is sufficient? That his death does cover all my sin, does make me right with God? How do I know that it, ha- that it has borne the wrath of God on the cross? How do I know it's worked? Well, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. On that first Easter Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. Now today, I want to take you back to that first Easter, if you like, as we, we're going to continue reading through Mark's Gospel. In fact, if you've been a regular here at church, we've been reading through Mark's Gospel for the last sort of eight or nine weeks. And I want to invite you to, today, to be restored to God, if you're not already. I'll give you a warning, heads up, I'm going to do that. I'm going to invite you to be restored back to God by the greatest of all craftsmen, and that, of course, is the carpenter from Nazareth, God's son, who died and is alive today. So if you've got a Bible, um, or, or maybe you've grabbed one from the foyer, uh, turn them into Mark 15. Now the first thing Mark wants us, the reader, that's you and I, to see when it comes to the resurrection, is that Jesus was dead and buried. That's the first thing he wants us to see, that Jesus was dead and buried. He really did die. So we meet this guy called Joseph of Arimathea. He was a prominent member of the Jewish ruling council, uh, the Sanhedrin it's called. Now he approaches Pilate boldly, boldly. Verse 43, you see that? It was a gutsy move. Why was it a gutsy move? Why was it bold to do that? Well, of course, Pilate was the guy who just sentenced Jesus to death and we've just been told that Joseph was a believer. He was awaiting the kingdom of God. So fair enough, Joseph would be a little bit nervous about approaching the guy who just killed Jesus, sentenced Jesus. Now, not everyone in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, was opposed to Jesus. There there were believers, and Joseph of Arimathea is one of them. Anyway, it's still Friday, and he asked Pilate to remove Jesus' body from the cross so he could bury it. It's interesting too, and not surprising, that the same... Uh, the same confessing centurion that we met on Good Friday, in just a few chapter, about a few verses ago, really, uh, in verse 38, is involved with this same task. Now, the reason Joseph asked to do this on the on the day of Jesus' death was because the next day, at Saturday, that was the Sabbath, that was the the Jewish Sabbath, and Jewish law prohibited burial on the Sabbath, so it needed to be done before then. Now in Mark 44 and um, uh, for, sorry in verse 44 and 45 Mark includes more important detail that Jesus had indeed died. In fact we read that Pilate is surprised but we're given no reason for the surprise. Perhaps it's just that death by crucifixion usually lasted days but here was Jesus dead in less than a day. I think that's just the surprise. That was it. Anyway, Pilate then agrees to the request. And Jesus is buried in a tomb which, is, which would have been cut out of a rock. Uh, it would have been an expensive tomb with probably multiple chambers for other family members when their time came. And it was not an uncommon burial, nor would this have been a grave that was particularly hard to find. Uh, Joseph was part of this Jewish ruling council and so he would have been well known and fairly wealthy. Now before we ask the question about why all this detail, and maybe you've already 
your mind's clicking over with all that. Uh, but notice in verse 47 that Mark includes Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, as witnesses to Jesus' burial. Remember, Mark's trying to tell us that Jesus really was dead and buried. So these, these women were witnesses. But, and once again, just like at the cross, Mark's reference, reference to the women as witnesses is powerful evidence. This is eyewitness testimony of what actually happened. See, in Jesus' day, the testimony of a woman uh, was invalid. The way it was. If Mark were making this stuff up, he would not have included women as witnesses. Okay, so why does Mark include all this detail about Jesus' death and burial? Why does he go to such extent to tell us about something that's, well, it's a little bit mundane, really? Well, the answer is, Mark, writing, he's writing about the early, early 60s AD. He wanted to counter any claim that Jesus was not resurrected because he had never died. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to counter that claim. The truth is, Jesus, well, the claim that Jesus never really died or that he faked his death has popped up a few times over the years and has always been refuted by historians. The theory goes a bit like this. Uh, Jesus fools the hardened, experienced guards in charge of the executions that he was dead. Then after surviving the flogging and the crucifixion itself, he's buried, wakes up, rolls this heavy stone away at the tomb and then appears to the disciples and hundreds of others, convincing them that he's come back to life again. It's unconvincing. Unconvincing. No, no, Jesus really did die and he really was buried. Now, Mark's account of, um, of Jesus' resurrection is short and it's to the point. The day after the Sabbath, that's Sunday, the two Marys, together with Salome, who was also there at Jesus' death, you might remember, go to the tomb and anoint the body. Uh, that's a pretty normal custom, what you did. As they walk to the tomb early in the morning, uh, verse 3 of chapter 16, they are concerned about how they'll actually get into the tomb. So three women walking along... And this stone's very, very heavy. They're concerned about who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb, they ask, ask each other. The stone would have been heavy. Uh, it would have been about as heavy as a small car, probably something like that. But then they arrive, and to their surprise, the stone had already been rolled away. So they head inside, and they're greeted by an angel. Uh, if you translate that word angel, it really means messenger. And they are understandably afraid. Fair enough, they are alarmed. We'll pick things up in verse 6 of chapter 16. This is what the angel, this messenger said. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who is crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, it's an interesting little point here, that Peter is mentioned... The last time we heard from Peter, he was denying Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. So Peter's really, he's, he's feeling pretty down on the dumps, right? He reads this and he's encouraged. It's a nice little uh, expression of kindness. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. Now in that last phrase, the angel is referring to a specific promise back in chapter 14, verse 28, where Jesus promises his disciples that after his resurrection, he would meet up with them in Galilee. 
But the angel's probably no doubt also referring to the three predictions of Jesus' resurrection. We find them in eight, chapter, 30, or chapter 8, chapter 9 and chapter 10. Mark ends his book with the women leaving the tomb trembling and bewildered, afraid to tell anyone in verse 8. Uh, but I think it's pretty safe to say they did speak to the disciples. Um, but even still, their reaction, it's very real, isn't it? It's a very real reaction. They're trembling and they're bewildered. Fair enough. Same with you and I, I'd say. The truth is, though, news did spread very fast. Christianity grew exponentially, history tells us, uh, following the resurrection. That's because people believed it. And actually, people died for it as well. It's probably worth, too, responding or taking a moment to respond to critics who argue that the tomb was, in fact, empty. For example, the disciples went to the wrong tomb. Let's just say that for a moment. Let's just say that people did go to the wrong tomb. Well, both the Romans and the Jews who wanted to see the end of Christianity, they would have gone to the right tomb, produced the body and closed this Christianity case once and for all. The truth is, of course, they did go to the right tomb and the tomb was empty. Jesus was no longer there. He had risen. Some people say, well, perhaps someone stole the body. So let's think about that for a moment. Look at the options. Why would the Jews steal the body? That's one option. There's little reason for them for such an action. They wanted Jesus dead and buried. And of course, they could have gone to the right tomb and said, here's the body. Jews didn't steal the body. What about the Romans? Why would the Romans steal the body? There's no motivation for them to do that. To con- There's no motivation for them to... to uh, they, wanted, they wanted to end this disease um, called Christianity. There's a Roman historian called Tacitus who, called, who, was, who wrote in the 1st and 2nd century BC, uh, AD and he called Christianity a disease. The Romans wanted to see the end of it. Maybe the disciples stole the body and then from then, from then on uh, started this myth. But 11 out of the 12 disciples died for the truth of resurrection. Why would you die for what you know is a lie? It, it doesn't add up. But I think there's a bigger question we've got to address this morning. Um, if, if you're convinced like me of the resurrection, I am, um, or maybe you're still thinking, we still have to ask this question, no matter where you're at with God, you've still got to ask the question, why does it matter? Why does it all matter? Well, I want to look at it in two ways. The resurrection reveals and the resurrection guarantees. So let me illustrate what I mean. Uh, no one likes getting spam emails. Well, if you do, you're a strange person. Um, no one likes that. Uh, you, you, you don't know where it's from. You don't know who wrote it. You can't really trust it. It could be some dodgy from some other place in the world. Uh, and, and sometimes you learn the hard way that it can't be trusted too. You know, no, I don't want to invest in your company in Nigeria. Uh, I... I don't believe you when you're writing to me and telling me you need $50,000 because your child is sick and I don't know who you are. Uh, that's the sort of thing we get, isn't it? You know, centuries ago, there was, and really not that long ago, really, there, there was no such thing, there was no such issues because every letter you received in the mail had a seal on it, like, like this, a seal with an imprint on it which clearly revealed who wrote the letter and guaranteed the author's identity. He or she uh, was the only one with that seal. The resurrection does that. That's what the resurrection does. It reveals and it guarantees Jesus, who Jesus is and who he, sa- and, and who, 
It guarantees Jesus is who he says he is. That's what I wanted to say. It guarantees the resurrection. So, you see, first, the resurrection reveals that God is faithful. Uh, God's plan all along was to reverse the effects of sin. So God promised way back in the start of the Bible, in chapter 3 of Genesis, that he would crush all wrongdoing once and for all. And so God promises to send his son to defeat sin and death, to restore us back to him, back to factory settings. He he didn't grow really... really, (laughs) 4.30 this morning. I think I'm doing all right. Um, He didn't grow weary of that promise. And nor would he be distracted. He made a promise and he controlled the events of history so that at just the right moment, Jesus Christ would come and fulfill what he had promised. And so the resurrection reveals that God is faithful to his promises. But the resurrection also reveals that God is powerful. Uh, Think of of the authority you would need to have control, uh, to control all the situations locations and relationships in order to guarantee that Jesus would come at the precise moment to what he was appointed to do. And there could, could there be a more pointed demonstration of power than power over death? By God's awesome power, Jesus took off his grave clothes and walked out of that tomb. Romans 1 verse 4, you can see it up on the screen, uh, says, by the power of his resurrection, we know Jesus is who he said he is. There's that seal idea again. I'll read it to you. Regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so the resurrection reveals God is faithful, God is powerful. Finally, like the cross, at the cross, the resurrection reveals that God is loving. And that this love, this love in action was dealt with, has dealt with my sin. See, why would God go to such an extent to save us, to restore us, to give up his only son for us who have rebelled against him? Why would he do that? Well, he'd do that because he loves us, that's why. And the resurrection reveals that love. It points us back to the cross that, it's, that, that uh, sin has been looked after. So I'll go to the next, I've got the next slide here. 1 John 4 verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Uh, a friend of mine shared this little story, I'll share with you in a moment, on Facebook on Good Friday morning. Um, actually, I, I think I might have shared it with you before. It's a, it's, it's a good little story. Um, so I apologise if I have. But 15 years ago, this Melbourne woman, her name was Kimberly Deer. She was set to fulfil a life ambition when she enrolled for skydiving lessons recently on holidays in Missouri in, um, in the US. Her hopes were dashed when the plane she was flying in uh, lost power and started careering to, toward the earth. Her instructor, his name was a guy called Robert Cook, he responded instantly and he apparently took hold of her and calmly talked to her talked her through what would happen next as the plane was heading down. This is what he said. As the plane is about to hit the ground, make sure you're on top of me so I take the force of the impact. The plane crashed. 
and several people died, including Robert Cook, the instructor. Kimberley survived and from hospital she reported that in the seconds just before the crash she felt Mr Cook swivel his body into position and, and as he pushed her head against his chest uh, to cushion the blow. Now it's funny, I've never been a huge fan of attempting, even my own attempts, to illustrate the meaning of Jesus' death um, with sort of modern stories and analogies. I think you can end up trivialising both, um, <laughs> trivialising Mr Cook's story and also the cross. But I think the actions of this man, Robert Cook, remind us of this verse, God's love for us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Why? That we might live through him. He saved us. Okay, so the resurrection reveals. It reveals God's faithful, God's powerful, but it also reveals God's loving because it points us back to the cross. The resurrection also guarantees. Guarantees eternity. See, no matter how mundane and routine and slowly progressing your story might be, if you're a Christian person, it's marching to a glorious conclusion as we trust in Jesus. God promises to followers of Jesus there will be a moment when God will raise you out of this broken world into a paradise where sin and suffering are, are no more. That's God's promise to you and I as we trust in him. So the resurrection guarantees eternity with Jesus. There's no more sin, no more dying, no more, no more crying. The old order of things have passed away. The resurrection also guarantees security. No matter how unpredictable and out of life, out, uh, sorry, out of control your life feels, Jesus is reigning. He is sovereign and supreme over all. He's alive and will continue to reign until that, the final enemy is under his feet. Uh, that doesn't mean you will avoid the groaning of life. Sometimes life is very, very difficult. That's because we live in a broken world. Uh, to quote Romans 8 verse 22, that groaning of life, but it does mean there's nothing that can separate you from the loving and protecting hand of God. Finally, the resurrection guarantees delivery. No matter how hopeless and weak you might think you are, you've been provided with all the grace you need to make it to the end. One author puts it like this, future grace always carries with it the promise of present grace. Have a think about that for a minute. Future grace always carries with it the promise of present grace now. The Bible promises that God will provide everything you need until you see him face to face. So trust, so trust him. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead answers life's most pressing questions. What are they? When it really boils down to it, well, they're questions about life and death. They're questions about life after death. That's what the resurrection answers. They are questions that we must ask, questions that must be answered. And the claim of Christianity is that such questions find their answer in Jesus. 
what did I sing before? It all comes down to Jesus. That's where the answers are. He is the expert on life and death because he's the only one who's died and come back to tell us about it. Why would you look anywhere else? Go to Jesus. And the promise of Jesus' resurrection is that one day we too can be like him. In Jesus' words, the resurrection is the first fruits of what is to come. Friends, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to give thanks for that Jesus is alive. And I'm going to encourage you, as I pray, to be restored to Jesus. And maybe you want to do that today. Put your trust in him. Don't wait any longer. And be restored back to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, sending your son to die for us. We thank you that by trusting in you, Lord Jesus, we can be restored. We can be forgiven, made right, no matter what we've done, no matter where we're at, your cross covers it all. Lord Jesus, thank you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive, that you rose from the grave, that you are the one true expert on life and death. Thank you that your resurrection reveals and it guarantees, guarantees that you are who you said you are. So today, Lord, we pray that we trust in you Maybe today it's the first time we pray that we give our lives over to you. Thank you that you take care of the old and give us the new. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.